0: Hi, welcome to Stammer Stories. My name is William Loven and I'm your host and founder of this podcast. In this podcast we talk about stammering from all perspectives. I'll be talking to people who stammer, people who work in the stammering field, and people who have a genuine interest in the topic. So today I am joined by Adam, who we've actually come across each other quite a lot over social media. We are very active in the stammer community, but actually this is the first time that we're actually talking to each other so each other, but also having a chat about stammering. So welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much, William. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So can you introduce yourself and tell the viewers what you do for a living?
1: Yeah. Hi, well, my name's Adam Wright. Um, I'm um, 42 years old um, of Stammered for as long as I can remember. I don't recall a time I didn't stammer. Um, and at the moment, I'm a team leader in a social work team. So, if effectively I line manage social sh- workers, that's me. Wow!
0: Wow! So you just mentioned that you've had your stammer your whole life, like like me. Can you so when did you first realise the fact you had a stammer, but also how was it when you were younger?
1: Yeah, I don't recall an, an exact time as such where I thought all that word didn't come out. But I certainly remember primary school and then um difficulties that I'm sure everybody that Stammers would relate to in terms of just talking with your peers and, and teachers and being in class. Um, and just just really re- remembering that I, will, I always thought I was diff, different in some way and I can remember looking at other children talk and I just remember thinking how do they do that how do they make that look so easy you know what's wrong with me why can't I do that and just being just being being amused by it all really and then obviously as you then get older it becomes more and more of and you understand that maybe it not the you kind of hear hear the word stammer st- 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 st and um, that's that's what it is and then and then you become more aware of it and that's what you have and that's why you're maybe a little bit diff different to. Um, everybody else but yeah it was just a huge part of my childhood really when i look back it just had a massive impact really on on everything you do into teenage years and just being so fearful of speaking and just just kind of living in fear really of 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 what the day might bring at school. Um, Yeah, I mean, it would basically keep you up at night. And and that very much continued till um, my late 20s really, that kind of living in fear, um, lying in head, kind of every, every, every night and you're f- f- thinking back on the day and you're thinking, oh, that must have been that was horrendous. I oh, must have looked a right idiot there. You know, what What must that person have thought of me? Um, and, and then once you Taught all of those things, you would then think about what potential speaking situations you were going to have the next day as well. It was just that vicious circle every day. Um, So the best way I, I could describe it would just be living in fear, which no child or young adult should live in fear so yeah
0: i can definitely relate to like some of the things like sort of confusing if you think oh everyone else would have this thing because it's what i have so you would expect other people to have it as well like when you realize that actually no, it's just you and a few other people. Like, I saw stat today that over 70 million in the world, 7 million, 70 million people in, in the world stammer, which is huge, but also so small as well.
1: Yeah, and definitely.
0: Did you have speech therapy growing up? Like, did you go to speech therapy or, or like, did you have any sort of uh sessions to help your stomach when you were younger
1: yeah just just um going back to your previous point like 70 million people in the world stammer. St- st- i'm a lot older than you so when i was young we didn't have the internet or st- social media or anything like that, which might s- sound very strange to s- some of your younger list- listeners, but but that's true, we didn't have any of that. So I literally thought I was the only one in the whole world that had this what I perceived to be at the time problem Um, so imagine thinking that it was such a um, what's the word sort of isolating thing really but yeah just um, I mean to the other Question: Yeah, I, 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 did have speech um, therapy when I was about ten or eleven. I, I, I remember um, my mum and dad taking me to the speech therapist at our local hospital. Um, didn't really know. Why I was there, or what I was doing, or anything, and I don't re- really think they knew either. Kind of what to do because when you think about speech and language therapy, it's huge, it's massive, um, and stammering is just a very minute part of their their work. So. I can remember having to draw, um, and I am rubbish at. Uh, I cannot draw to. So, my life. So it wasn't really. Something I enjoyed, and I don't know what the particular reason for having to draw is. I suppose, I suppose thinking about it, it might have been something to kind of ex- express my feelings through it or something like that. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I can see that. And it's so weird how I sort of remember. The exact so I can picture the exact room where, where I do my speech and language So where I do my speech and language for a few sessions vividly. Like I could probably direct you to that room in my brain. Like mm-hmm. it's vivid memory. And I think I surveyed so for speak probably until I was seven or eight. So it teach me sort of a a type of sign language to show whilst I was still developing my speech when it got better. Wow. Because I sort of the afternoon, out or like finish school early every single uh week, I I well I just thought that was my life. Not my life but because I was so young but I thought that was just gonna be my thought I was gonna be doing until who knows when. And then I went to secondary school, and that's when my sweet therapy just stopped because you sort of at that age where they sort of can't support you as such. And then it's like, bye. And then, <laughs> you were, you're were sort of by yourself. And then I went to a school with for people with learning difficulties, and then I joined a college of four thousand people. So the anxiety of going from the different sizes really caused my stamina to get bad. So that's when I went to a Michael Palin centre to get more speech therapy. And this makes you realise like how different speech therapy for kids and speech therapy for young adults, teenagers are. Because I and how they change it but also do sort of use the same techniques, but also develop it even more. But sadly everyone with a stomach has their situations where it's just been awful and like we don't want to relive it however we've also learned from those lessons as well that like we've always had the times that we struggled but we've also learned and built ourselves up from on lessons. can you tell me a time where you struggled with your stomach but also how you overcame that
1: yeah i can i can think of numerous Numerous times, struggling really. Yeah, I I kind of remember we we were we me and my wife had just moved into our first house, and it was like the first time really you've had that responsibility of. Ringing up and sorting out, like, yeah, a a gas bill and Sky and um, all that sort of things. And it was, and at that time, you didn't really do it on the internet. So I remember ringing Sky up and trying to sort out a Sky package. And obviously you have to go through your name, which for most people, that stammer is the hardest thing to say. And and then your address and all all these kind of details. And and, uh, it was just, I could not say what I wanted to say. And I just remember having the phone in my, hand and just getting that frustrated that i've just threw it at the wall um just just out of pure um first frustration and just not that's just one in a million um things i i, I, I could say i i, I also remember Time at the train station as well when I was trying to order a train t- ticket um, and um, I just couldn't say the name of the station that I wanted to go to and and oh, it's just horrendous now when I think about it and and. The um, person on the other side of the counter just got that frustrated with me, just threw a pen and kind of towards me to write it down. Um, and uh, yeah, so all sorts of things at like school as. Well, when 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 I ask you to read out read out loud and, and oh, you know, we've all been there, haven't we?
0: I would love to talk to you about your job. Can you you yeah, explain what you do in more detail, but also how your stammer affects you in your everyday uh, job?
1: <laughs> that's a good question. So. <clears throat> Like I'm gonna take us back to, um, two thousand and seven ish, two thousand eight ish. So, at this, at this time, I was working as, um, an unqualified social sh- 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 worker, um, and the job was becoming really, really difficult in in relation to my speech, um, really, really hard. It was just, I mean, um, and kind of as a social worker, I was having to go to meetings and use the... A lot in in like an open plan off off office, and at the time as well, I I remember kind of ringing people up for work purposes, going to kind of say who I am and and, and my role and my well, reason for ringing, and I would hang. They would hang up on me because they would neither think there was, it was a prank call or there was nobody on the other end. Um, so, so they would hang, hang up and be well, Bobby. Cause I was in an open plan office. And also to at that time, like I didn't speak about my stammer, and it wasn't that kind of nobody talked about it. And therefore, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want everybody else in that open plan office to realise that the person I've been ringing has hung hung up on me, so I would just carry on and I'll be speaking on the phone, but there wouldn't be anybody else. I wouldn't be speaking to anybody because they'd hung up. Um, the only issue with that was obviously I s- still needed to make those calls so I would have to wait till lunch time when the office was kind of empty to ring those people up to get the job done and I also really wasn't um, speaking up as as much as I should have been in me and um, I was almost t- t- turning up to meetings late be um, on purpose because I would want to miss the round of introductions that everybody always has to do and stuff like that. Really. And I, I was at the point really where I was thinking, this isn't working, like I'm letting my... South down but I'm also letting the um, individuals that I'm supposed to be working for and on behalf of those people and I was kind of at the brink of just um, leaving and just going to do something completely different that didn't involve as much talking. However, just as I was thinking that work, um, who I work for, I advertised an opportunity for the unqualified social workers to um, go to Uni and get their degree, and they would pay for it. They would pay for everything, and I would tell earn what I was earning, even though I would be at uni and not at work. And I just looked at that, and I thought. What a great opportunity that is. That is amazing. Because at this point, I've got a mortgage and therefore I couldn't just give up work and just go off to uni and and all of that. And I think that is such a good opportunity. Um, But obviously, I'm thinking, well, I can't do the job as it is. It's going to be even... Harder as an actual qualified social worker. Um, but it was such a good opportunity that that kind of gave me the incentive to actually go and do something about my speech and um, that's where I found the Starfish Project um, and I enrolled on the Starfish Project and then I first went in June 2008 and that's really the starting point really for my life, turning. Around so um, then, yeah, I, I did this starfish project. So i have be, I'll be become a lot more confident with my speech and in me and who I was. And and I went t- t- to uni, past that. Um, I qualified as a social worker. Which for me was unbelievable. Like I left school with nothing really; didn't have kind of any GCSEs or anything. So I always thought like, I wasn't really going to do much in life and things like that. So yeah, it was it was it was really really good. And then on from there, I've spent a few years as, as a social worker and then about four five years ago I got a job as a team leader so um, it's kind of where I am now. (laughs) Wow that's amazing
0: and when you first joined like your team and and your company did you mention your stammer straight away like my first within my first paragraph of meeting my line manager i was like just letting her you know i yeah i do stammer it's not that i'm nervous or i just can't say my words right sometimes but then she was like yeah sure okay yeah I I made mean, I- them the most supportive team ever did you mention it to your team so they were aware, or like, did you sort of hide it for a bit, and then you sort of told them when a situation came up? Or,
1: oh well, yeah, I would say um, pre going on the staff fish project, I never. Spoke about it ever even at work to my manager or, or kind of anything it was never spoken about but yeah once I'd been on the Starfish project that was very much part of opening up and being comfortable with who I am and then on from that moment I, I always talk about it in job interviews and things like that yeah
0: uh, and and um, that leads us on very nicely to my next question mm-hmm. so you're a great ad, ad, advocate in, in the stammer community and you do lots of amazing stuff for the stammer community across social media but also just talking about the stammer to you're you basically very open about talking your experiences, which is amazing for people who are struggling the first time. Can you tell tell the views so what you've been doing in the community, but also what have you learned from doing this?
1: Yeah, so... Um, really kind of getting to grips on um, social media, really, mainly on... Twitter more than more than um, anything else, just kind of um, trying to really educate the non-stammering community what um, stammering is, and that actually it's nothing to be ashamed of, and it's kind of how we. Talk, I actually think that's really important. it's not just talking with within the s- s- stammering community it's outside of that um, as well as I, and part of that was really um, how all that kind of began really is that I started to do some Um, I started to contribute towards, um, a YouTube channel called the Villa View, um, like I'm a huge Aston Villa fan. And I just, and I started to contribute on that a lot and kind of being interviewed after matches. Um, which then got shown to thousands and thousands of people tuning in, watch that, and then that kind of opened up then and people wanted to know more. And I was really, really lucky as well that the guy who... Came um, up with the Villa View. He also wanted to do a bit more um, experience in in his work in like other areas, and he kind of uh, approached me um, to see if I'd be interested in doing a documentary about my camera, which I jumped at the opportunity of, and I, and I never really thought about it too much in the early days, but it's been huge. Um, I believe it's been, it's viewed like 12,000 views or something like that. Wow. Um, I think it is, and the, the, reaction to that was just amazing. And um, lots of people wanted to ask me questions and and I got told all the time how um, it kind of opened their mind to stammering and that they may have previously it was about nerves and things like that but that's just really helped them understand so yeah and it kind of grew from there really in terms of my twitter following and and, yeah it is yeah that's it wow
0: (laughs) well it's really fascinating and like it's so good like seeing People, like, I didn't really n- know how big the Stammer community was on Twitter until I did a few posts. And, like, it's huge. Yeah. I don't even people realise, like, how big the community And one community that I did not expect at mm-hmm. all would be huge would be the TikTok Stammer community. Like, it's massive. And I think if you type in hashtag Stammer or hashtag Stammer TikTok, it has over 20,000 videos on it. Wow. like just different which is amazing just from like that just about stammering and you think like it's people do know about it like you think there are so many people and this is a question that I ask my guests that I don't give you notice beforehand when you think of a famous person who stammers who do you think of? oh yeah
1: this, this is it there there aren't that um, many other and the kind of ones that you do aren't necessarily positives in terms of that they're generally out there um, because they're st- st- Stammer is used for comical cool purposes and um, so there's never really and that kind of forms and sh- shapes the stammering, and um, the general public's v- view on s- s- stammering, isn't it? You know, so.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the last year has been difficult for everyone. And the pandemic has affected us in all different ways. How would you say the pandemic has affected your stomach?
1: Yeah, I'd definitely say it impacted. I the thing went locked down first hit. Obviously, it was difficult for everybody. Um, and I would probably say for most people, how they're feeling about them, I and mean, in the world in general, has an impact on their stamina. So, um, and obviously, we have this huge concern, um, and therefore, your mindset maybe isn't as. Positive as it normally is, and, and, and kind of that impacts on your speech um, as well. I've found wearing a mask really, really hard, really um, difficult to the point where I actually had a mask um, made which s- said. Um, Um, I stammer, you'll have to wait for the genius Um, because when you stammer, people can obviously see, see that and they know instantly but when you've got a mask on, they're just looking at you, like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I found a mask really, really difficult and also to kind of the instant life just um, s- switching to being on line as well. So, basically, I spent all of all of my working day on Teams. Um, And that's completely different as well to kind of being in meetings in real life because you don't have that natural pause um, where you can then um, speak and things like that. So um, people possibly misinterpretate that clock just as a pause and therefore they will talk over you. Um, and I also so really miss that general day to talking in the office as well. I always really try and make a point in terms of challenging my speech and going to talk to people and just kind of making everyday conversation with people. I really miss that as well, so, you miss out on all of that, and I just think it's
0: had a huge impact, in- basically. <laughs> like, I think it's really in- interesting having to serve up because I've found, like, when we first went to working from home, I thought, oh, my stomach might be affected. Like, it just didn't really cross my mind. And then I was like, actually, you don't realize how much you talk to people in your everyday life, like, you talk to people. Uh, I'm a station. You talk to people at prep. You talk to people catching the lift to your office. So there was so many different times when that's you're right. talking, but especially like in 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 the open plan office environment, like you're just talking to people across your desks. So like when going to working from home, like I realized my stamina was getting not bad, but I noticed that I was damning on different words, and then I realized, and then that's when I started sharing my story, but I realized that it's really weird and like if i was told that i would be speaking in front of 40 people in person i would be panicking so much how talking in front of 40 people on on zoom is a very different like different sort of feeling because like, you can't see that 40 people but you can see yourself which you can't do in person so you notice yourself stammering more if you have your camera on and but it's just weird, like, how stamina has been the hidden community of the different, of the pandemic. And, like, no one's really spoken spoke about it. Like, I hated picking up the phone with a passion. Because sometimes hello is quite hard. And then especially if a calls come out of a of blue, oh, um, like, I panic and then it sounds like so. It sounds like I am not at, at the end of a line, and as like, oh, I am still here, well, because I had to talk to my team over the phone. Like I just learned, to talk. So morning or like afternoon or like how are you? Like just break up like the initial start of a conversation. So to round up this lovely ep- episode. I got one last question for you. Perfect. If you could ask three pieces of advice to someone who stammers and three pieces of advice to someone who doesn't stammer, what would they
1: be? Um, in in a roundabout way. So I've been on a on a big stammering journey, if you like it, what I'd really like to advise pe- people and this is very much why why I'm trying to raise awareness and trying to be, because I don't want anybody to go through those experiences that I had as a child and feeling lonely and um, that you're doing it wrong and that actually by st- stammering you're actually doing something th- wrong and I, and I believe that mindset set completely has to ch- change it's not like we chose to stammer is it so if I have no choice about it how can I be doing something wrong? So if there's any children out there or adults that are listening, what I'd really like to get over is it's all right. It's okay. And actually the problems occur from, other people's reactions, and if we're able to change um, that, that actually stammering is just seen as a different way of talking, then we're going to be in a much healthier and we've got so much work to actually do on this. but I believe as we go through the generations now, it will get easier and easier because slowly and surely that culture is going to change on sure of that so just be who you are don't let it hold you back because ultimately you can do whatever you want to do whether you stammer or or you don't um just go for
0: it perfect very absolutely fantastic piece of advice and i would like to say thank you so much for joining me for today's ep- episode it's been an absolute pleasure
1: talking to you today thank you William. thank you for having me and if i could just say if anybody's interested in watching that documentary then you can find it on youtube by just searching Adam Wright living with a stammer. Plus, I I will definitely include it in,
0: within the episode by along with, with Twitter as well, so our viewers can take a look at your Twitter and your documentary as well. So, thank you so much to our listeners for joining mm-hmm. us today for this episode. It's been an absolute pleasure sharing Adam's story, and now from well, from from when you're listening to this, we are now on TikTok where we where we are sharing different advices about stammering. But also, we've also launched our brand new stammer stories V community, which is a community for people who stammer from across the world. You can join a Facebook group where share their experiences with others who stammer. And you can find out more within the description below of this episode. So please, if you stammer Peaceful Future a we are a brave space with members who are very happy to share their experiences from all around the world. But also remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter where we post all our exciting updates and facts as well. See you next time in two weeks. Bye.